We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Today, we're going to be previewing the Baltimore Orioles, who had a surprisingly competitive season last year. Joined by Eric RDT of, uh, he hosts uh, host the Exit 52 podcast, as well as contributes to Barstool Sports. He's been on the show in the past to preview Baltimore. What's up, man? How you doing? Good, good. We, uh, I know we talked a little before the camera went on, but I'm just super excited. Baseball is back and like, uh, just tomorrow's is Christmas day. It's Christmas day. It's, it's the last day of school. It's whatever day is like the best day of the year for you. So I'm, I'm very excited. You go into opening day. The home opener, I'll be there. Not at not home up in Boston, yeah. but yeah, yeah. So yeah. next week, I'll be down at Camden Yards at Pickles, slinging beers, you know, nice. trying to just just absolutely get get wrecked before the Yankees come into town. So uh, yeah, I mean, I'm very excited. Again, like I already have friends planning out their outfits. We're, we've been looking at the weather like you know two weeks ahead of time. So we're it's, we're planning out Uber rides. It's we're, we're getting it all <laughs> getting it all down pat. I've actually never been to an opening day. I've been to playoff games, obviously, a ton of regular season games, but never an opening day. That's on my bucket list. It's just every year it comes around and I'm like planning. I'm like, oh, it's going to be tough this year to go. It's like, it's a commitment. It's always on a Thursday. Yeah, yeah. And like, like I've only, I think I've only gone to two games. And again, the games are fine. You pay three times. I can only imagine, like I know the prices of Camden Yards. I can only imagine the prices of Yankee Stadium for opening day. 
But like the one year, I think I went, I got so drunk that yeah, I missed. It was the it, that was during the day, and then the UNC Villanova basketball game championship was at night, and it was like the best all time, like the best ending of all time. And I, I woke up the next morning and I missed it. I was like, oh, that wasn't good. <laughs> but the Orioles won, so I'm happy. So yeah, it's uh, it's always an adventure on opening day. But again, it's it's just I think it's even better to just again go downtown and hang out around the game and not necessarily go in. Like I'd rather go to stands or Billy's and watch the game there than pay you know you know four figs to get into the game well i mean the the thing about baltimore is it's like in the middle of, of downtown it's in like kind of a nicer area it's like you go to the bronx you're in the bronx for one reason you're going to yankee stadium it's like you're not really yeah. just going to hang out in the bronx that's true not that's to true. disparage the bronx sorry everybody but you know let's be real yeah the prices are usually like three times as much you can go to the saturday game same section for like a third of the cost mm-hmm. that's every everybody does that they're like no you go to like the re reopening day that you know, like go go on the Saturday and when again you can get a, a lower level ticket for like thirty three bucks and and you yeah. you'll be fine. Yeah. So how are you feeling about your team this year? Because like I said at the start, it was definitely a a surprisingly competitive season for Baltimore last year when we talked in our preview episode. I think I asked you like you know what is the ceiling for this team, and I don't even think you you know being honest thought they were going to be contending for a wild card spot late into September. No, I mean, I, I think I'm trying to remember because I remember writing the blog and I think I said like 72 to 75 wins. And I was like, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be fine with that. And and again, the guy going into the season, I really had no expectations. Again, I, I think I said it's all just about making sure these guys stay healthy and we're, we're bringing some guys up and we're going to see what they can do. And they brought up, I'm sure, three of the four guys that I talked about and Adley, Gunnar Henderson. And then D.L. Hall, Grayson Rodriguez would have been up if it wasn't for his lat injury, you know, in July. Um, but again, those three guys, I mean, they came up and they all had immediate impacts. It, it all points back to Adley. When he came up, I think it was May 24th, um, May something. They were 16 and 24, they, you know, eight games under. And from there, they just took off. Um, I think they, they were on like a 91 pace, you know, after he came up. Um, so he struggled early. But again, it's like when he got going, the team just took off. They went 10 straight. And that's the thing. It's like we were getting made fun of and poked fun at and, you know, people laughing because we were having countdowns to like, tonight could be the night that the Orioles are over 500. Like, this is great. This is awesome. And like, we had like legitimate celebrations when they got to 500 and when they, they beat the Cubs in Wrigley. And it was just awesome. And again, it's like baby steps. You got to take these baby steps. Yeah. Again, you guys don't know much about that. But um, yeah, it, it was awesome to watch because again, it was a team. I guess it was like the... Was it the 2015 Cubs where it's like, oh, this team, they could be good. And then it's like they were really good right away. And you're like, oh, oh, this is we didn't yeah. expect this. Like they right lost now. to the Mets. The Cubs that year yeah. lost to the Mets in the CS. Yeah. Yep. Daniel, they, Daniel, they, Daniel Murphy had like yeah. 13 <laughs> five runs. Grand slams. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Something like that. He had five grand slams in like two days, I think it was. But um again, that's where, where I was like, oh, we're we're kind of ahead of schedule right now. And then again, we saw you know what the Cubs turn into, and I'm not comparing the Orioles to the Cubs, but it's just like they were on that kind of trajectory where it's like next year, I think is going to be the year where they can make some noise. And like you said, I mean, they, they were eliminated from playoff contention. I think like the lat, like midnight of the last week of the season, which again, I would have had anyone in the world drug tested if they had said like going into this day last year, like, Hey, the Orioles are going to hold on to what, you know, they're going to have a wild card spot in, I think late September. And then, right. you know, they're going to be there. So yeah, it, it was an awesome year. Um, I think, you know, we're not satisfied with it. Again, it was great to 
see the the progress. But I mean, you know, again, we're not. This team has had success before in the past ten years, and it's like we, that's what we want. We're not just here to be like, oh, we're above five hundred. You know, we were in a wild card spot for a day. You know, raise the banner. So. Yeah, I mean, th- there's definitely expectations this year. Now we just see how these young guys can perform with set expectations. I understand celebrating the things like getting to 500 because you're on a, you're on a path, you're on a plan, right? Like the organization clearly was like, we're rebuilding here, and you're seeing that come to fruition. Now, if there if there was no plan and it's like you're just hovering around 500, of course you're not going to be celebrating that. But you've got this farm system, like the, the Orioles farm system is ranked number one in baseball, and I was looking this up. They've got eight top 100 prospects. So you couple the eight top 100 prospects with number one farm system in baseball. With they they've been number one for two rankings in a row. Mm-hmm. plus took a step forward at the major league level, I completely understand why there's a lot of excitement around, you know, the Orioles fandom. Yeah. And again, like people haven't been this excited, I think since going into the 2018 season, which was the last year that they had Manny and Jones and and Davis, who was decent and Zach Britton and Chris Tillman and JJ Hardy and guys like that, you know, scope and all those guys, Gosman. Because they, that was the year where it was like, all right, we kind of have to do something. They went out and they signed Alex Cobb and Andrew Kashner, which again, weren't big money deals or big names or anything like that. But it was like, hey, these are two veterans. We're going to, sh- you know, we're going to get the rotation solid. And they had the one of the worst seasons in baseball history. They tore everything down, traded everybody. And it's been depressing ever since. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there was legitimate excitement going into this offseason because again, the way they ended, and yeah, they kind of felt flat on their face the last two weeks of September going against the Blue Jays. But again, people were like, listen, we've seen the progress. Like we we see, the, we know that the results are there. Like like we've seen what they can do, these young guys, when they come up. So yeah, people were definitely excited. We were excited about free agency, which ended up not being kind of a dud. That's a whole other yeah, story. I was going to ask you about that because it's like, then what's the balancing act? Because you have this surprising season and then ownership has this decision to make. It's like, okay, do we go out and spend money to try and win in 2023? Or are we just still sticking to our plan and eyeing, like you said, next year is really the year 2024? Because what they did in free agency was, I mean, they signed Kyle Gibson and, uh, you know, acquired some some depth pieces really in free agency. And yeah. So you know, as a fan, like, how did you feel about that? So this has been like a very contentious point on Orioles Twitter. So the day after they had traded Trey Mancini, uh, you know, last year at the deadline, the, the Orioles are down in Texas. Um, people were upset. They were very, you know, because again, they were like a game and a half out of the wild card spot. They just traded their face of the franchise. Guy would be cancer, you know, home run derby finalists, all this stuff, just an absolute gem of a human. And Michael Elias flew down to Texas to tell to talk to the team and basically say like hey guys listen you got to trust me in what we're doing you know we're building this again like you said from the ground floor up you know and so then then elias had comments to the media saying listen blah 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 i know this sucks this offseason it's liftoff from here and i i almost got that that saying tattooed on my chest like liftoff because everyone is like yes we're looking at the t-shirts yeah like oh my god we're gonna get rodan and Correa, we're probably going to get Turner too. Like, oh my God, this is going to be awesome. And he said, you know, we're going to, we're, we're going to raise the payroll. You know, we're, we're going to start spending. And everyone is very excited about that. How, you know, how couldn't he be? And then the free agency came and they didn't get Rodon and they didn't get, you know, Correa and they didn't get Turner and they didn't get this guy. And they got Kyle Gibson and Adam Frazier. And it was like, oh, okay. Like, that's kind of interesting. And that was kind of the first time that I had been like, 
kind of would have liked to see. Because again, I'm 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 much of like a hey, Elias, do your thing. You know, go put this team together. And again, that that did kind of piss me off because. But then I also realized the Orioles ownership. There, there's two brothers suing each other for control of the team. They spend oh, really? the money. Like, yeah, like John and Lou Angeles, they they end up throwing this the 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 court case out. But they were suing each other. One brother says he's keeping me out of this and blah blah blah. It's a nasty situation. So people didn't really realize Michael Elias is spending their money while they're in the middle of a lawsuit over the team. Probably not the easiest thing to do. You know, knock on their doors like, hey, I know you guys are bickering, but like, what do you think about this Trey Turner guy? What do you, you want to throw him 300 million? Yeah. So that's kind of what people had to realize. Like, listen, that's why they didn't spend money because everything is just so tied up in this lawsuit and it's gross and disgusting and it's name calling and there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. So that, that, that w- it was kind of a disappointing free agency, but again, it kind of, you know, again, they, their big guys were James, they traded for James McCann. They got Kyle Gibson and Adam Frazier, and that's really it. But again, it's like you think you're going to add a full season of Adley, a full season of Gunner, hopefully a full, close to a full season of DL Hall plus Grayson Rodriguez when they come up. And you can kind of pencil those guys in. It's like, oh, kind of a free agent, you know, signing. And then again, we yeah, just, you I, don't don't oh, get don't give that loophole to ownership because I, I, Yankees fans deal with that with Brian Cashman saying all their injury uh, guys coming back or midseason acquisitions. It's like, no, yeah. dude, Luis Severino coming back from injury for the fourth straight year doesn't count as a trade acquisition. Yeah, it's it's hard to to pencil it in like that or to say it like that. But again, it's like so now we're kind of just hoping next season again is is the off season where. Either A, people are like, hey, this Orioles team is young and up and coming, and I want to play with Adley, and I want to play with Gunner. You know, maybe I'll take a couple less bucks to sign there. But, you know, it, it'll be interesting. But, yeah, it, pe- people were not happy with the lack of moves made. And and I don't blame them because, again, it's like you needed some rotation guys. I would have liked to seen, you know, just some more role players maybe. But Yeah, because, like, the rotation, it's like Kyle Gibson, like, th- that's the signing. But, like, he's a he's a mid-30s, mid-4 ERA guy. Like, he, like that is not that's not going to be competitive enough. And, and, you know, Dean Kramer had a good season last year, but like, what is his ceiling? Um, mm-hmm. I was actually looking at this. I don't know if you follow zips projections at all. Uh, a little bit. The two, the two player comps to him, Chingming Wong and Johnny Cueto. Like, oh, uh, I'm like, look, nice. Johnny Cueto, like, okay. Chingming Wong, yeah, I love him to death. Love him to death, but like, is that really what his ceiling is? So I found that to be a bit interesting. And then you mentioned Grayson Rodriguez, who I know a lot of people were hoping would make the opening day roster, but he's going to start in AAA. And that was a tough one. Um, I mean, we've had him on our show, our podcast, three different times, twice this offseason. And he's like, I mean, he, he he's, a, he's a massive dude. He's a workhorse. We hung out with him in the offseason. He is a, just a, an absolute monster. And it's like, he just kept being like, I just want to wake up and be in Florida. Like before spring training, like just get me to Florida. And then he's like, just get me to Baltimore. All I want to do is pitch in Camden Yards. All I want to do is shove. I just want to throw 100 out there. And it sucks because, again, Elias had these quotes like, this is Grayson's spot to lose. He's, you know, we're penciling him in right now. And he had a really good start, his first start. And the next three or four were not good. And it's like, I, I was upset when he didn't make it. I, you know, said some stuff on Twitter being like, this, this BS, this, he should be up. And then it's like you look at the, the you know the the his numbers and he didn't look that good. I talked to some people who were down there and they said he didn't look crisp. He didn't, you know, he just he didn't look like himself. So it's like all right, you send him down. Hopefully you let him get three or four starts in Norfolk AAA under his belt, and hopefully he you know kills it down there and he comes up because again he had like a two five ERA I think in more than seventy innings last year AAA. So it's like that 
seemed good. He, again, he had the lat injury in July, and that just derailed everything. But, you know, we hope to see him up here. Um, Cole Irvin, they traded for, too. Again, a lefty from from uh, Oakland, who, again, he's not – nobody is going into a series been like, oh, my God, how are we going to hit Kyle Gibson and Cole Irvin and, and Dean Kramer? But I think the wall – the wall is definitely going to help some of these guys. Again, Kyle Gibson, you know, I, I think he's going to like the wall. It's it's going to help him. And again, it's it's a recruiting tactic. It's going to work. Yeah. We saw him last year. So, Judge hates it. Um, I know. You know so how much how much it. enjoyment I mean, did you get out of Judge and Stanton complaining about the wall last year? I I had a tweet that was like a hot thing for like a maybe maybe like three or four days when Judge kind of went through that slump at the end of the season, and because he hit a double, it wasn't like, for the wall. wall like high up, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was like, if the wall keeps Judge from getting the record, I like, I will, I, I'll, I will do something. I will like have my ashes spread on that thing. I will do something like, because it would just be so funny. Because again, it was very early in the season that he talked about the create your own ballpark, and Boone had those comments. But it was like, oh my god! When people started clicking, being like, is this going to happen? Could you imagine if this happens? And we all would have loved it. Um, but again, I think the pitcher is genuinely, it helps them. So it's, you know, well, certainly I, I, I saw know. a stat that it took until like late May for a visiting right-handed hitter to hit a home run to left field, yeah. which is that blew my mind. Yeah. It's, it's funny. There's, there's a guy who I'm buddies with on Twitter who every time someone hits a 300 or like a 415 foot fly out the left field, he'll put He has a picture of like the wall under construction and he'll tag. It's a threat. And he'll just say like, at Aaron Judge should have hit that last year, Bozo, and stuff like that. And it was just like a running thread all season. So it was very funny. But again, the pitchers seem to like it. I'm hoping, again, that it can help, you know, get Kyle Gibson's ERA down a run, you know, half a run, something like that. So we we will see how that, uh, how that works out for these new guys. Well, how did the Baltimore hitters feel about the wall? Um, before Trey got traded, I talked to him about it. He hit three or four balls, like smoked them off the top of it. And like was visibly upset in the dugout, being like, that's a home that's that's 13, 14 rows deep last year. And again, especially for a guy like him who is going into a free agent year last year. He's like, listen, if I if you know, sixteen home runs versus twelve home runs or whatever, like people they're gonna dock me for that. Like and he had some comments where it was like he is not he was not happy. And I get it. I mean, Mountcastle hit a couple that were, you know, would have been gone last year and didn't. So I, I think it helped more than it hurt, but Again, it's like, I I don't know. I, I think the guys, they didn't like it, but I think they're getting used to it. The pitchers I talked to loved it. I talked to a guy who's on the Mets now, and he goes, he goes, where the hell was this when I was pitching? I'd st- I you know, I, I could have got a decent deal from the Orioles if that wall was moved back, you know? But yeah. I don't know. It, it, yeah, it, it's just, it's going to be interesting to see the rolling tally of, like, home runs taken away for, for us and, and, you know, for the opposing team, so. Yeah, I mean, of course, the pitchers are going to love it and the hitters are going to hate it. Like, there was complaints. I remember way back when the Detroit Tigers opened up their new ballpark. Remember Juan Gonzalez bitching about the the mm-hmm. outfield gaps just being... Because they signed Juan Gonzalez to, like, a pretty big deal. And then he's like, now I got to hit in this, like, Death Valley of a ballpark, which... And they just I mean, moved their part walls of me understands it. They moved their walls in, too? I think yeah. so. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure they moved center field in, I think. Well, they did that a couple years ago, I thought. I think they did it again. They like it I again? know they did something this offseason. Yeah, I, I'll look it up. Oh, but wow. I think they did it this offseason, too. Yeah, I mean, I it, I, I don't know. I, I like that each ballpark is unique. I think that's a cool thing about baseball stadiums. I mean, and I go back and forth on, like, how unique can you get, right? It's like, mm-hmm. 
Should should there be a center field fence 445 feet away? Like, I don't know, that seems a little ridiculous. Should there be a, a left field wall that's only 290 feet? No, that also seems ridiculous. Like, so you kind of got to play within like some parameters, I feel. I mean, we got to think up until what, 10 years ago, there was a ballpark within a hill in center field with a flagpole. That was the most like, asinine thing I've ever seen. I love the I love the conspiracy theory that the uh, because the year that the hill came out of Houston is the year they installed all the cameras in ah. into center field. <laughs> so the conspiracy theory was that the wall taken down was just a just a front so they could have construction out there to install the hidden cameras. Which yeah, they, that's who knows that's what who knows needed, what they were but, doing. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll buy I'll buy into that though. I could I could do sure, that. Why not? That's great. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, so I mean, and, and mean, you know, getting back to the Baltimore rotation, means is also coming back from Tommy John surgery. So it's like, how are you piecing this rotation together throughout the season? Yeah, it's... um. It's tough because again they went out and they spent money on Gibson, I think ten million, which is not I mean, it's not a big deal at all. And then they trade for Cole Irvin. So again, it's like you think that you, you those are two veterans who are in your rotation. They're there. Like they're gonna be there. Um and then again you have these guys. Dean Kramer was the top prospect that they got back from the uh the Dodgers in the Manny trade. And like you said, his you know, his zips comparisons aren't great. I mean, he's not the strikeout pitcher we thought he was, but the second half of last year. Him and Kyle Bradish were awesome. They had like back to back eight and two third um, starts versus the versus the um, the Astros, like in Houston. Like they both gave up like one hit, shut them out. It was incredible, and it was like holy crowd. Like this, this is this these two are unbelievable right now. So them kind of you know taking a step up was huge. I think they're both gonna not take a step back, but I think we'll see some regression there. But I think those two guys are in the rotation, and then again you have D.L. Hall, who is one of the top lefty prospects who we saw in a relief role last year, but they've said he's a starter. That's why he didn't make the roster this year um, out of training camp because they were just like, listen, we don't have a start. We don't have spots for him in this rotation. Let's send him down to AAA so he'll get those starts. We don't want him working on the bullpen. Um, and again, so he's going to be up. Grayson's going to be up. John, or John Means is coming back. Tyler Wells is the number five, and he took Grayson's spot. He was in the bullpen, or he was, he's bounced around bullpen starter. So yeah, it's... It's a good problem to have. Again, I'd rather have too many starters than than not enough because again, injuries are going to happen. Um, you know, trades could happen. You know, if they if they get out to a bad start and, and someone else loses a pitcher, Kyle Gibson is going to he's going to go. You know, he'll he'll get traded out there. So again, it's a, it's depth right now, and I think it'll all work itself out. Like I said, whether it's injuries, trades, 
you know, regression, stuff like that. So again, I'd rather have too many horses than not enough. When, when the Orioles signed Kyle Gibson, I was like, hasn't he already been an Oriole? And then what I was doing was I was confusing him and Kevin Gosman in my mind. And I know Gosman has like been really good lately, but when he was with Baltimore, he, he was not very good. And it's just like the initials just mess with my mind. I'm like, I swear this has already been an Orioles pitcher before. Yeah, man. Gosman was, you know, picked four out of LSU. And like, he was one of those guys who he got screwed by the the Norfolk taxi, we call it. Again, that's the Orioles AAA. And it's like, you know, these young players would come up and are like the pitchers, especially. And you get your first start. And then right after the game, we're optioning him back to AAA. And then, you know, they bring him up, you know, two weeks later, and then they send him down. And it's like, mentally, that just has to because again, they wouldn't even wait. It would be in the press conference after, and Buck would be like, "Yeah, we're sending him down." Because yeah. again, and like, like I remember, I got a text from someone at Barstool, and like, because Gosman had like he went seven and two thirds with three hits, and you know, one one run with six Ks and a walk, and they sent him down. And my buddy texted me, he was like, "What the hell are they doing?" Like, he was incredible, and it's like, I don't know, they needed another starter or something like that, and it's just so frustrating. So yeah, Gosman Gosman was kind of a. He just needed a change of scenery. So I'm glad to see him doing well. It sucks that it's with the Blue Jays, but glad to see him rebound. And then as far as the offense goes, they were slightly below league average and runs scored per game last year. And, you know, I, I see this offense being centered around Mullins, Rushman, and Moncastle. But, like, who else do you have to worry about from an opposing team? Who else should they be worrying about in that lineup? Gunnar Henderson is a name that I really, really hope torments the AL East for 10, 12 years. I've, I've talked to people who played in the minors with him. Someone had played in the minors with him, Adley, and Juan Soto. And he said, listen, the stuff that I saw Gunner do, he was better, he's better than Juan. His, his play, his, 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 when he, cause he's so young. It's crazy too, because they got Adley, Adley, Gunner Henderson, and Kyle Stowers all in the 2019 draft. That draft was incredible for the Orioles. Um, but he said the stuff that Gunner does at his age is unheard of. And he's like, the, his, his at-bats, how he handles the at-bats, his, his plate discipline, everything about him is just awesome. Like, he's he's fantastic. So, again, my buddy told me, like, he said Adley does a lot of things really, 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 really good. He's like, Gunner could be a legit great player. Like, gold glove, gold glove third baseman, you know, silver slugger third base. He said he's going to be very impressive. So, He's, and again, we saw it in his first start last year. I mean, second of adverse, Tristan McKenzie goes like 430 to, to, to right center. So he's he's a guy who I think is is going to be a very, very good baseball player. He's going to hit a lot of home runs. He's going to hit for average. He can steal bases. He's a guy who, like you mentioned, Mullins. Mullins is the guy at the top who starts it all. Adley is, Adley is an awesome player. Mountcastle's going to hit 35 bombs. Gunner could be the most dangerous hitter out of all of them. So he's definitely a guy to to keep your eye on. And it seems like they need they need that other middle of the order bat in, in order to be mm-hmm. in a, you know a serious offense and contend in the AL East because I I think it's the hardest division in baseball. But the ballot schedule probably will help Baltimore. Ugh. I kn- <clears throat> I know they were below five hundred. Uh, so I looked this up. They were below five hundred against each of the AL East teams last year. But it was it was not like a. It was not like it was in years past where they were just, you know, barely winning a game or two and whoever beat the, the Orioles won the division. It's like, no, they were like around 500 against every team uh, in the division. It's a tough division, so fine. But like the balanced schedule where you, you don't have to play the Yankees, the Blue Jays, and the Rays 18 or 19 times is going to be a benefit to teams like Baltimore. Yeah, I, 
I think that they, they benefit more from that than any other team in baseball. It's it's like I can't I can't talk enough about how big that is because again, nineteen times we're seeing. Wasn't wasn't there one year that the Yankees won eighteen and one? I think Seven, it was. I think, it was, Seven, I think it was seventeen and two. Was it eighteen and one? It was crazy. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean that was the year Glaber was doing. You know, doing everything against them, and oh, yeah. then I think the year before that, just had meltdown. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> like like Paul O'Neill was coming into the booth, and I thought Jim Palmer was going to like give him a swirly. Um, <laughs> But like the year before that, I think that, you know, the, the Red Sox went like 16 and three or something. So it was it was you, it was three years in a row of full seasons, 18, 19 and then 21. The winner of the mm-hmm. least was the team that only lost like two, three games against Baltimore. Yeah. And, and that's that's what it always came down to. It was like, listen, they're going to go. Each other team is going to go probably right around 500 against the, the Yankees are going to go 500 against the, the, the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, the Rays. If you can win 12 or more games against the Orioles. Here's you know you're gonna win the AL, yep. yeah, and and yeah, it's it's so th- that's huge for them. And and again, they faltered down the stretch against the Jays last year. The Jays were just a better team, um, but again, it's it's I think it's just massive for the Orioles because again, now we're playing you know you're playing the Tigers more. You're playing or you're playing you know the the Nationals and 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 you know the Athletics. Right, you get to and, play and, all the bottom feeders. Yes, you have to play the top teams in the National League, but then you get to also play the bottom feeders in the National League, mm-hmm. and yep. you get to play. I mean, even the top, the the middle to upper t- uh, end of the National League is not as good as it is in the American League, I don't think. So that that's just like yeah. a net gain right there. Like you're playing the Brewers, yeah, but that's not like playing the Rays or the Blue Jays. Like that's easier than playing the Rays or the Blue Jays. Yeah, I like I'm, I'm looking at the NL Central, maybe the Cardinals. The Orioles took two out of three from the Cardinals last year, though. But again, it's like I'm not looking at the Brewers or or right. someone like that being like. Hope we can win two out of three. Like we'll be like like in the old days versus the Yankees. It was like if we don't get no hit and we maybe like are leading a game in the eighth, I'll consider that a win. Like whatever, we'll we'll take it from there. But yeah, it's it's I, I think it's massive for the Orioles. I'm very excited to see like how that plays out and 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 you know what what they can do with that. All right. So before we wrap it up, we've been I've been talking to everybody that we've been doing previews with. What you are most looking forward to as far as rule changes go this season? I, I'm the, the rule changes I'm, and I was in a fantasy baseball draft with my cousins last night and we were talking about, you know, base stealing and stuff like that. And I think the bases are going to, it's, it's it's definitely going to be a thing, especially with the Orioles who have Cedric Mullins, who, who stole, you know, 35 or more bases last, last year. And then Jorge Mateo, who is just the fastest person I've ever seen. Like I, I put money on Mateo to lead the league in stolen bases. Oh yeah. Um, I remember him. I remember him. Uh, yeah, it's just he's a guy who he's going to hit 220 and it's like man if he could hit 250 or 260 and get on base a little more, he could steal 60 or 70 bases. Like he could be a legitimate weapon. So that's, you know, from an Orioles point of view cuz you got Mullins at 1 and then last year they were putting Mateo at 9. So again, it's like if you can get those two on base and they're just running you're going to drive catchers crazy. You're going to drive these pitchers nuts. They're going to balk. They're going to, and then again, plus with the throw, you know, the um, the pickoff rules and stuff like yeah, that. Like no, all of those rules combined, I think definitely are good. Have you seen the the stolen base numbers from spring training this year no, versus I, last year? Uh-uh. We were talking about this earlier uh, this week on an episode. They last year stolen base attempts per game in spring training 0.77. This year 1.13. So that's up pretty significantly. Yeah. And then success rate seventy three percent last year, seventy nine percent this year. So it's, there could yeah, be, it's, and li- like you said, with all the rules combined, the pitch clock plus you know the 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 the, the pickoff 
thing, plus the bigger bases, plus no shift. It's like all these things combined. It's like the perfect storm for, again, I think a lineup like the Orioles where, again, you have two guys. Someone asked me today on Twitter, like, give me a projected stolen base number combined for Mullins and Mateo. And I said 90, kind of joking around, but then thinking about it being like, maybe, I don't know. That could be fun. You know, so yeah, that that that's that's what I'm excited about. And again, Gunner has some speed; he can steal some bases. The Orioles have some not fast guys, but some sneaky guys. So it's it's exciting well, to see. Yeah, and what all yeah. the rules might do is it might make offenses that in previous years basically had no chance to compete because they were not going to hit you know three home runs in a given game, and it was so impossible to string together base hits to score runs. It gives them a fighting chance now because there's no sh- the, the shifting rules. Uh, I think the pitch clock will also speed up, obviously, the time that the pitchers are throwing, which means they're probably not going to be throwing as hard because you're not going to mm-hmm. take 35 seconds in order to be able to throw 98 miles an hour every pitch. So there's a For lot team. of like... Li- yeah, there's a lot of little things combining that I think could just balance out a lot of things. Yeah. And, and we, we were talking about that in a group chat today where it's like, if you're if you're having an at-bat that's eight or nine pitches long, again, you used to see a pitcher kind of step off, you know, he because again, it's like, and we were talking about Alec Manoa just in general being like, these bigger pitchers, it's going to get to them. Like, you may not see these guys go deep because, hey, come on, come on, we got to go, we got to go, get on the mound, throw it. And again, it's like, these guys are huffing and puffing, they're throwing upper 90s, they're going to get tired quicker. So yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be a thing. And and again, it's going to be interesting to see kind of the chess game and like who figured it out first. It seems like Scherzer, you know, had figured it all out in spring training and he was messing with everything. So it's whoever can figure that stuff out and can really exploit it. But it's it's going to be interesting to watch. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll catch up with you later down the down the road this season because I think the Orioles are going to be uh, a much bigger threat uh, in the division. Um, I think the Red Sox are trash and I'm holding by that no matter what anyone says this is not 2013 repeated where they just win a World (laughs) Series randomly because God help me if they win another freaking World Series anyway Uh, yeah I'm 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 uh, with you and the only thing that scares me is everybody is down on them so it's like those are usually the team that are you know the the uh the Roger Dorn led Indians where it's like hey you know what the hell let's just go out and win the whole damn thing so I hope not all right Well, thank you so much for joining me, and uh, we'll definitely catch up later down the road. Absolutely. Thank you. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.